Well, as we've been working through this series, I've entitled uh, I Am. We have looked at several stories from the Old Testament primarily so far, one from Abraham, Abram actually, when God told him that he would be his shield, he would, would cover him and carry him forward. Then we looked at Jacob and that struggle he had with his father-in-law. Who hasn't had struggles with a father-in-law, right? But Jacob had trouble with really a, a pretty sorry fellow named Laban who really tricked him and uh, was deceitful to him. But God showed up and said, I'm going to guide you in life to where you need to be. And then we saw the story from Jacob's life as well where he, he said, he is gonna, we're going to worship at Bethel and we're going to be in the midst of God because God is almighty. And that's the word we kind of dug into that weekend Last week, we started with the life of Moses, and we're going to continue his life today. But last week, we looked at that story where God went out into the desert and found Moses when he was an 80-year-old young man, y'all with me, and said, I have something for you. I want you to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and I want you to lead them to the promised land, and I want to do some amazing things through you. And Moses said, "Uh, who are you talking to? But God finally got a hold of him, and he went and did what he was supposed to do because God is, as we looked that week, as his, our vision. Today I want to step into the story of uh, Moses again, but in chapter 6 of Exodus, where we find, uh, I think, what is a very common uh, experience for many of us who hear from God that says, I want you to be a part of this or do this, and we say, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Any of you been there? And you get in the middle of it, and what happens? All of a sudden, it goes haywire. That's Moses today. You know, we have the big vision sometimes, and we go to do it, but then you've got to decide what you're going to do. You can't stay on the mountaintop forever. You've got to come down and go do what God has you to do. We have to leave the mountain. Moses was no different. He had to leave the mountain and go do the things that God had for him. And as we all know, tongue-in-cheek, Doing what God calls us to do is always easy. It lacks all obstacles, obstacles and is always very, very peaceful. Yeah, not so much. Moses was given a series of signs that God said, I want to confirm I'm working. He got support from his family. He got support from his father-in-law, who was a pagan. And God even sent his brother Aaron out to help support him in the process. And at this point, Moses is going, sick him. You know, with me? But then he has to go do what God told him to go do. He approaches Moses with his vision from God. And Pharaoh goes, yeah, that's really a sweet thought, Moses. But you know what? Ain't going to happen, as we might say today. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to take your straw away as well. You're going to go find your own straw to make bricks. Get back to work. You ever had that experience? You think this is where we're going. Now, added to this injustice, God's people turned on Moses and said, Moses, what in the world are you doing? You're messing us up. In fact, Exodus 5.21 says this, the Lord uh, look on you and judge, they said, because Moses, you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. God's people really weren't on board with Moses' vision at this point. You ever been there? Let's just say the vision hasn't progressed quite like Moses had expected. He's gotten opposition from Pharaoh. He's gotten opposition from the people he was sent to lead. And to state it mildly, Moses wasn't having a good day. And at this lowest point in his life, guess who shows up? I am. Look with me at Exodus chapter 
6, verse 1. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to flip two words this morning in the outline. We put the outline together midweek on the screens. You're blank on the screen. You're blank in the page. It's not going to matter because there's nothing there. But the screen, we're going to flip, not the screens, but the words. So they're going to be wrong, one and two. They're just backwards, okay? So hang in there with me. As I studied further in the week, I, I got to thinking this is a better way to present it. The first thing I want you to see is that God, listen, re- revealed, revealed his plan to Moses, his plan. Hey, look, I did change it. Go figure. He revealed that Moses' deliverance is coming. You got it. Go ahead and put the first one back up there, Donna. You put the wrong word. You threw me off there. There you go. Don't put the word reminded. Put the word revealed. Because here's what God revealed to Moses. Deliverance is coming. Look at verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Now, Moses is starting to get, let's just say, a little discouraged. And God shows up. Aren't you glad when God shows up when things get hard? He's spoken to the king, Moses has. He's spoken to the people. And it seems everybody's going, what in the world are you talking about, Moses? The message from God is falling on deaf ears. And from a very human standpoint, he says, I'm I'm a failure. It's not going like I thought it would. But the Lord, and that's the word Yahweh in the Hebrew there. Yahweh speaks again into his life. See, God was not willing to leave Moses where he was. God was not willing to say, just deal with it. Hang in there. Don't worry about it. God wasn't willing to leave him sitting there fluttering in the breeze. You with me? God says, I'm with you. Now he says, now look what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. I might say he's going to sick him. Y'all with me? Some others might say hook them, but I wouldn't go that far. He reminds Moses the king will send his people out with a strong hand. He says, I'm going to take care of my people. And in the end, my people are going to go where? Back to the promised land. And in this moment, Moses is feeling like an utter failure. God says, oh, no, you're not because I'm with you. He says, I have revealed my plan to you. I have explained to you what I'm going to do. And this is what's going to happen, Moses. Hang on. Now, God's going to get the victory. And his people are going to find the blessing. And then God does something that God has to do with us a lot, which is why I flipped the two words. He reminds us. Any of you need reminders? I was was telling one of my friends down at the fire department, I remembered the fish fry this week on July 5th. They had it on the 4th, by the way, in case you didn't catch that. I remembered it on the 4th, on the 5th, and so I didn't quite make it down there. But Look what verse 2 through 8 says. God gives us a reminder. Let's just read the first three verses first, the first two verses. So God spoke to Moses and said to him, what? There's our phrase. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Now, let's just stop right there because there's six things in this passage I want you to see that God is reminding Moses of. As Moses is in the bottom of of his deepest moment going, I've tried, God. It's not happening. Nobody wants to hear me. Now, Moses, you're telling me to go do this, but I did, and now Pharaoh's taking away the straw, and the people are wanting to kill me, and things are not good. And God says, hold up. I am 
the Lord. First, God reminds Moses he is the same God who has appeared to his ancestors. He's the same God who appeared to Abraham. He's the same God who appeared to Isaac. He's the same God who appeared to Jacob some 400 years before this story. He says, I have not changed in the least. Realize the people to whom Moses was sent to lead out of Egypt was just one grand extended family that started with Abram and Sarai. They went from 70-something people when they went there to their over 2 million now. And God says, I'm going to take my people out of there. And in a real sense, they're all been called Hebrews now because they're being denigrated by the Egyptians. They live over the southern side of the river. And God has called Abram out of Pedanaram. And this is the God whom Isaac experienced. And this is the God whom Jacob has heard over again. And he says, God, Moses, I'm still here. I am the Lord. But there's a shift in this text. Did you see the shift in verse 3? He says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as what? God Almighty. That's El Shaddai. We looked at that two weeks ago. But my name, the Lord. When you've been working on translating some, one language from another into another, you've got to go, well, what, what word is used there? That's not just Yahweh. That's not uh, Elohim. That is, that, uh, it is Elohim, excuse me. That is a different word that God uses. He says, I'm going to make my name, but by, by my name Elohim, I did not make myself known to them. You're going, why is he going into Hebrew this morning? We don't speak, I don't speak Hebrew, okay? But I can study it and understand a little bit about here. I want you to catch this. God was telling his people, I am no mere God of the pantheon of the Egyptian goddess and goddesses. I am I am. I am something special. I am something different. I am not like the gods that are of of your enemy. I'm the one in whom you need to place your trust. I'm the one that's carried our people for years, for decades, for centuries. He's the same God. You realize we worship the same God today that the people in the Old Testament worshiped. We worship the same God today that the people in the New Testament worshiped. It's not like there's one God then and one God here and one God there. He says, I am steadfast. I am the same God. Second, he says, I'm gonna, I have established a covenant with you. Look at verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of which in which they lived as sojourners. Now, not only is God the one who's spoken to his people through the ages, he's the one who says, I have established a covenant with them. Now, let's just be honest. When was the last time you, were, you, you used the word covenant in conversation? Yeah, we, we just don't use that word anymore. So let, let's make sure we're on the same page here. We don't use it, but it's a foundational concept between us and God. It actually, I believe, should be a foundational concept for a husband and wife in marriage as well because what it is is saying we're coming to this relationship as an agreement, it's an alliance between two individuals or two groups of people that says I'm going to be with you and you're going to be with me and there's not going to be a break no matter what happens. He said, I established a covenant that says I will be with you. I provided for them then. I will provide for you now. I will provide for the ones in the future when they get here. He says, I'm here. And the land he promised them was the land of Canaan, a region that's today called Israel after Jacob, who was renamed. And God was reminding Moses of this covenant between him and his people. He says, why are you down in the mouth? I'm the same God you've always had. I haven't run away. I'm here. 
Third, he says, I've heard the people groan. You're going, didn't we talk about that last week? Yeah, but don't you need to be reminded sometime that God is with you? He said, I've heard my people. I'm coming to take care of it. And Moses went down there to take care of it. and It didn't go so well. And Moses is thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's all a mess. I messed the thing up. I can't get it right. Nobody's listening to me. The people are worried. They're going to get killed. They're going to get in trouble. And Pharaoh is all over me. He says, but moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I've remembered my covenant. God reminds them. He says, I have not forgotten them. I have not abandoned them. I have not walked away from them. What in the Sam Hill are you doing, Moses, acting like that? You ever need somebody to come along and just kind of knock you around a little bit and say, get out of your pity party and do what I have for you? From a human perspective, we might be tempted to say, well, well, why did God leave his people down there 400 years? I think a better question is, what is it about these people that God even cares? God's not like us. His ways are not like ours. But God cares for who, those who he, he hears and feels the deep longings of them. He, he hears their cry of deliverance. He hears their struggle. He hears their call for freedom. No, God has not ignored them. He hasn't walked away. I know what's going on. Verse 6, the fourth thing he says, I will deliver my people. Look at this. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. God reminds Moses, he says, I'm going to pluck my people out of the hand of the enemy. Even if they don't think they can, even if they don't feel like it, even if they're afraid, even if they're in fear, even if they're in problems, even if they don't know what to do, I am. I'm going to take them to be my people. Now, the word translated people here means a nation, an army, his peoples, a people group, as we might call it in modern missionology. But what we have here is a promise from God to take the nation unto himself and do great things. He's saying, he is the Lord, their God. He says, I'm with you, and I will take you from your burdens. I'm your, I'm your Elohim. And then he says in verse 8, I'll take you home. Look at verse 8. I will bring you where? Into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Now, God would also take them to the land that he'd promised how long ago? Over 400 years ago to a guy named Abram who traveled from the north to the south, seeing that land and experienced that land. And God kept saying to him, this is your land. This is your land. This is your land. And God, Abraham said to God, but it's just me and Sarah. A lot of land for two people. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he did. God had planned for them to possess this land, oh, at least 500 years before, that they would be a place for his people to stand and to be in that land. You know, the word that's used here, land, is the word, the Hebrew word, haaretz. You've got to kind of get a little guttural with, with Hebrew, haaretz. Haaretz, Haaretz is a, 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 a newspaper in Jerusalem uh, today. If you want to do some cool reading on things going on in Israeli politics and life and all that kind of stuff, that's one of your sources. It's the land. The land, the people of God and the land is a big deal. The place that they stand, serve and the place that they stand, the place that they live. So here's what's happened. God has reminded, uh, has revealed that Moses' deliverance is coming. He's reminded him that I've got a plan for you. Now what happens? Every good plan always seems to go well until you have to what? Do it. 
Okay, look at verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen. Underline that. They did not listen to Moses. Because he lied to them. No. Because he was foolish. No. Catch the reason they didn't listen to him. It was because of their what? Broken spirit and the harsh slavery they were under. When things are hard, it's hard to be hopeful, isn't it? When things are going wrong, it's hard to be hopeful, isn't it? When things are difficult, you go, man, I want to give up. Moses spoke to the people of Israel. He said, here, God just reminded me. I forgot. I'm so slow. He told me like two weeks ago, and I came down, and I forgot, and I went and saw Pharaoh, and then I forgot, and he reminded me again. This is what he's going to do for us. Are you ready? And they go, oh, we can't do that. I really have no idea what mood Moses was in when he left God from speaking to him, but I kind of imagine in my mind that he was pretty, pretty stoked. He was ready to go until he ran into these broken people. But these people were downcast. They were broken. They couldn't see a way forward. They were living under harsh slavery. Their taskmasters have taken away their straw. See, some of you go, I don't care if you take the straw. If you've got to make bricks, you kind of want straw. They still wanted the, the quota to be filled. They were beaten down. That's a mild way to say it. They were depressed. We'd just be kind of an understatement. They weren't willing, probably not even able at this point to hear what Moses had for them. How is he going to make a difference? Look what happens next. God says, okay, well, go on to Moses. Moses, go on to Pharaoh. Go on, go back to him. Return to him. Talk to him again. Look at, look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of this land. Uh, at this point in the game, if I were Moses, I would kind of want to take a break, wouldn't you? I have tried once, God. I went and told Moses, I told, went and told Pharaoh what you wanted to do, and he says no, and he took away the straw, and he makes life hard on the people, and the people are all downtrodden and, and broken spirit, and they don't know what to do, and they're struggling. And Moses, God, can I just take a break? Can I go down to the, to the, to the, the, the sea and spend some time at the beach? You with me? That's not what God said to Moses. He said, uh, go, go, go in, tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, let the people of Israel go out of the land. Now, I'm kind of surprised Moses didn't just run away at this point. How many of you have tried what you thought God had for you and you went and did it the first time and it was like an awful mess and you go, what in the world am I doing? And then God lays on your heart, go do it again. And you go, "Um, I'm going that way. With me? God says, go. Hey, King's already heard the proposal once. He rejected it. He won't, why is he gonna change his mind a second time? Come on. But God was at work in this moment. So the word to Moses was brief and to the point. Go back for my, with my direction. His, listen, his response is not your problem. His response is not your responsibility. Your task, Moses, God's saying is go. Go do it. Don't give up. So Moses has marching orders. So, of course, Moses goes, well, let's go. Look at verse 12. But Moses, but anytime you see but Moses in there, you kind of know he's not going the right direction. But Moses said to the Lord, um, 
God, you may not be aware of what your people are doing down here, so let me give you the tea, okay? Let me bring you up to speed on what your people are doing. Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. I think he probably said it like this. But God, the people of Israel aren't listening to me. You know, 11-year-old whiny voice. Dad, can I have more time on my phone? I've heard that one all week. No. Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Now you're going, what in the world are uncircumcised lips? God, he's been told to go. Moses is told to go back. But he says, your people won't listen to me. Why would the Pharaoh listen to me? He says, God, nobody's listening to me. I feel like I'm wasting my time. Plus, he says, God, and I'm not, really, I'm I'm not a good speaker. That's what uncircumcised lips means. This is an issue that Moses struggled with all along. He struggled with this idea. So he reported deaf ears abound. Everybody is not listening. In a roundabout way, he says, and God, I'm really not believing you either. Man, those folks are in trouble. Their leader doesn't even have a clear vision, does he? He doesn't know if he can do this or not. What's going on? So I lack confidence. I don't have the skill. They will think I'm a fool if I come up there again. He said he heard me and he rejected the plan, and I, but I'm coming back again with the same thing. There's no reason for this, God. It's not going to change. You ever said that in the midst of a struggle? You say, oh, it'll never change. That's what Moses said. So God at this point does what? Oh, here's what God does, right? He says, okay, well, it's gotten tough. It's hard. It's difficult. So I tell you what, Moses, take a break. I'll find somebody else. Any of you know the story of Moses? That's not what happened, is it? Look at verse 13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people out of the land of Egypt. You're going, I think God's a broken record at this point. He just keeps saying the same thing. Why? Because that's what needs to happen. That's what he needs to do. That's the direction that Moses has to go. And it's not going to change the more you complain about it. It's not, not going to change the more you whine about it, the more you look at all the problems in the situation. Just say, God, okay, I'll go do it. Pharaoh's not listening. People are broken. They're dejected. Moses can't get his act together. But God, but God, God still has a charge for Moses and Aaron to bring his people out. You see, God works at a level we just don't understand sometimes. Because God sees our future as if it's our now. He already knows what our complaints are. He knows what our struggles are. He's willing to listen to them. But in the end, if he's got something for you, then you have to do what? Go do it. He moves in ways we can't see, and he's faithful. Three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts, and we all go out and face the oven. You ready? The oven is your car. It's sitting out there baking at 182 degrees right now. It's waiting for you, and it's 71 in here. Enjoy. Three quick thoughts. God shows up when? When does God show up? 
I want him now. Y'all with me? I want him now. But my now is not always the same timing as God's timing, is it? God's timing is often different than my timing. God's timing is sometimes vastly different from what I would want. But God always shows up right on time. It may not be on our timetable, but it will be on time. Remember, God broke into Moses' life out in the wilderness and says, I got a plan. I got a vision. Here we go. I'm a burning bush. It doesn't burn. Take your shoes off. Listen. Here's the plan. Every good plan is perfect until you meet the enemy, right? So they say in military. Start hitting the roadblocks. Moses is going, but, but God, you said this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to go down there and tell them, and all these people are going to get up and we're going to leave. And that's not what's happening, God. What in the world is going on? What gives? Moses likely had in mind how he thought things would go. Y'all with me? We often do that, don't we? We get in our minds, we go, this is what God's going to do with my life. Here's the plan. God says, I want you to go do this. Be involved in this ministry. Go be involved in this area of service. Go do this with your life. And you get there and you go, I think I got sold a bill of goods. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Maybe he thought he'd walk into the throne room, say, hey, Pharaoh, this is what God says, my God says, and everybody would be gone. I think he made the fundamental mistake that we are all tempted to make, and it's this. We wrongly believe that God is like us. We say, well, he made us in his image. He did, and then we decided we'd be boneheads and sin and messed up his image. So you are created in the image of God for sure, but you're also, we also are broken. We should never expect God to move on our time, but in his time. Remember what Isaiah said. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Isaiah was living in one of the most difficult seasons of life for the people of God. They were about to go into captivity. And the people are saying, there's no way our temple will ever fall. God would never let that happen. But that's exactly what happened because that was God's plan. Maybe you've sensed God leading you to serve in some area of the kingdom of God, but the doors seem sealed shut. I got to tell you, most of us don't have the gift of waiting, do we? Any of you got the gift of patience? I don't. But God always works in his time and his way. Number two, God knows what's best. Well, uh, he hasn't checked with me on that. He better ask me what I think is best first, and then I'll let him know if it's his best is okay or not. Be careful. You know, we live in a culture today where everybody has seems to be going their own way. If you haven't read news lately or watched news, I don't watch news anymore because I prefer the truth, but... Um, I try to read some of the news of what's going on in the world from different sources. I... I'll read the blue news. I'll read the red news. I even read the pink news sometimes. Some of you are going, what's the pink news? I'll tell you later. 
And then you pull together all their different thoughts and try to find the truth in all that, right? Because everyone, you know, back in the 1800s, we had yellow journalism. You know what that is. That's where everybody wrote what they wanted to write, and it wasn't even the truth. Sometimes the reporters wouldn't even show up and see what was going on. They'd just write the story as they thought it would be. Crazy. We're back to that, by the way, if you haven't noticed in our culture. We're back to yellow journalism. Nobody really covers everything accurately. They all think they're fair. So it's on us to figure out how to dig through it all and find some truth there. The problem is when we think we know what's best, and by the way, if, if you want to find out if somebody knows what they're doing, you just have to ask them. They'll tell you how good they are and how they've figured out the problems in life. But, but the problem with that is we find ourselves in a situation like the people of Israel. They were in slavery. They were seriously abused. They'd lost a sense of God that could do anything. But I've got to tell you, that doesn't change the truth that God knows what is best. Just because you and I have a plan that we think is right does not mean it's right. We need to test it against God. Let him challenge us in our thinking. You know, that's not easy. I didn't say it was easy. Moses wasn't happy about his plan where he was at. His plan was to what? One trip down, Pharaoh, we're leaving. Great, y'all have a good trip. Didn't work out. We got chapter upon chapter of all this destruction that we're not going to spend time on because it's not part of our series. But it's you read it and you're going, oh my goodness. As we live our lives fully under the Lord, we have to learn to walk by faith, knowing that God has our best in mind, even if we don't understand it. Micah reminds us of this. We have a responsibility in that to do this. He's told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? I wonder if that needs to be our new national motto. Probably won't be, but it could be our motto as individuals. We say, I'm going to look for justice. I'm going to love kindness, and I'm going to walk humbly. But those people don't agree with me. You know what? That's okay. We've taken everything, folks, everything in life, and we make it a non-negotiable standard. Well, if you don't agree that a Ford is the best vehicle. I cannot walk with you in life anymore. And you're thinking, that's silly. But we do it on so much stuff that just in the end doesn't matter. To love kindness, to walk humbly, to love one another. And then one last thought, and I'll be done. God mysteriously moves. I'd love to tell you, I can even begin to understand the ways that God has moved in my life. I get glimpses of it. I see highlights from time to time. I can look back and see places that God has moved. But I'm no closer to explaining how God moves today than I was 50 years ago. And if I were to live another 50 years, I don't think I'll ever figure it out. And the older I get, the more I am okay with that mystery. One of the earliest Bible verses I ever memorized one that comes to mind quite often comes from Proverbs. You know it. You can probably say it with me. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Make straight your paths. But it starts where? To trust in the Lord. You know, we don't have to understand every step. We don't have to agree on every action. There's a lot of things in life that I don't agree with. You know that? But at the end of the day, is it worth going to war over? And you want to debate the deity of Christ? I'm not going to waver on that one. You with me? You're going to say, well, was Jesus born of a virgin? We're not, I'm not going to waver on that one. But if you're going to say, well, the carpet needs to be purple or green, you know what? I don't even care if we have carpet. We don't need every action explained. We are called to walk by faith, not by sight. And we do that by what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it starts, my friends, with a relationship with Christ, the Messiah that comes through this people that we've been dealing with the last few weeks, that is revealed some two, three hundred years later after this series of events happens, the one who died on the cross to redeem us from our sin, who rose from the dead on the third day to give us new life. That's where it all starts, my friends. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the place to trust the Lord first. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. Maybe you're here today and you have other decisions you need to make. Maybe you need to come and kneel at an altar and pray. You'll say, oh, people will think something's wrong with me. There probably is. It's okay. There's something wrong with all of us. To be a people that says we want to be under your hand. We want to live in your vision, and we want to be faithful to what you've called us to do. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you thanking you for the opportunity to come and worship this morning. Father, there are still people on this planet who are not able to do what we do freely and so easily. Father, at times, often flippantly, that we don't treat it very well. Father, we want to be a people who live our lives centered on you, focused on you, and sold out to you. Father, I pray for those who maybe need to make some type of decision this morning. Maybe it's a private one they stay in their seat and make. Maybe it's one they come to an altar and make. Maybe it's one they want to make publicly. But God, we want you to move in these few moments however you see fit. And we want to do so in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name.